right, well, if you have a Bible, let me invite you to take it. Go to Mark chapter 4 this morning as we move right along in the Gospel of Mark. Um, as you're turning there so far, we've seen, uh, we've seen Jesus in conflict with the religious leaders quite a bit. Um, and that's not going to stop. That, that it will continue. Uh, we've seen him heal the crippled. We see, we've seen him cast out demons. We've seen him teach large crowds. Last week, we looked at the, the parable of the sower and the seed. And uh, we said that the gospel is good news for everyone, that, that it should be shared with everyone, even though, as that parable teaches, it will not be accepted by everyone. Um, this morning, we come in to, a, to another parable. Another, again, a parable is just a story with a point, and in, in Jesus' case, it's a, it's a story of, about uh, some physical object that, that t- makes a spiritual point, a story that, that Jesus tells that has a spiritual point, tells us something about the kingdom of God. So today we come and, and talk about the light, the, the lamp, and putting it on a lampstand. So the big idea for us this morning, as we, as we turn to this passage, is simply this. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the world. So then followers of Jesus have the opportunity to know the truth of the mystery of the gospel and to share it with others. We have, we have the opportunity to know this truth, this mystery. God sent Christ Jesus to be the Savior of the world and then to share it with others. So if you will, if you you have Mark chapter 4 ready to go, verses 21 through 25, let's stand together as we read the word the Lord has given to us today. The word of the Lord says this, He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. For you would... Open our hearts and our minds to hear what your word would say to us this morning as we look at the parable of the lamp. May we come to see the great light of the world that you are. What it means that you have come, that you have spoken to us. May we go out and reflect your light in a dark world. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And thank you, you can have a seat. So, so really, we're going to look at three things this morning that are, that are pretty simple. Um, nothing that, that I don't think is going to blow your mind. I don't think anything that you maybe have not heard before. And yet, it's, it's going to be a reminder of who Christ is and what he has taught us. The first thing we're going to see in verses 21 and 22 is that the light has come. The light has come. Look here. He also said to them, uh, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. He asks, is a, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? 
That's kind of a nonsensical idea, right? That you would buy this nice fancy lamp and then cover it up. Gotta, gotta need some light in here. Wait, no, that's too much. Not that much. Let's, let's hide it a little bit. Instead, he asked this rhetorical question, then isn't it to be put on a lampstand? Isn't, isn't the whole point of, uh, of a lamp to, to give light into the room? Then we get into verse 22, which, which taken out of context sometimes is, is, is used in some weird ways. It says, for there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. Now, now I don't know about you, but I've heard this verse used in, you better watch what you do because someday it's going to be brought to light. The problem with that is, is the context and what this is actually saying. Now, keep in mind where we were last week, talking about the, the parable of the, of the seed and the sower. And the disciples being somewhat confused about that, asking Jesus, Jesus, what exactly were you saying there? Can you help us understand the, this, this parable? And then Jesus went on to explain why he teaches in parables. And he essentially tells them, well, listen, to you, to, to you who are my followers, um, the truth will be made known. The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. But to those outside, everything comes in parables. This is back in verse 12, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. So he said to, to those who refuse to accept the message of the gospel, there is, there is a mystery to it. There's a mystery that's hidden. And yet here he says there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed if, if we allow the light of the world to shine the way it's designed to do. There's a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed. Now, now keep in mind, Jesus makes very clear that he is the light of the world. We're going to look at this, uh, this passage specifically in just a second. Hebrews chapter 1 begins this way. It says, long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. So, so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is back in the Old Testament, God, God spoke it. It says here in Hebrews at different times and in, various, and in different ways. Now, that, that phrase could also be translated bits and pieces. In other words, throughout the Old Testament, what we see is God revealing a little bit about himself here. And a little bit about himself here. We, we, see, we see kind of this progressive revelation, but what the writer of Hebrews has said is that in Christ Jesus, he has spoken to us by his Son. That's so why we will say that Jesus is the final, the full revelation of who God is. See, in the, in the person of Jesus, we, we see the way that, that God interacts with people. We see the way that, that God responds to sinners. We see the way that God responds to those who are self-righteous. We see God's ultimate power over things like diseases and demons. In Christ Jesus, the light, the lamp has come. 
And he asks, what do we do with it? Do we, do we put it under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. And nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. One, one, of, one of the key things I think it's important for us as Christians to understand is that God is not like holding out on us. Right? There's, there's not like some part of his word, there's not some part of his character that he doesn't want us to know about. In Christ, God has showed us, has shown us who he is and what he's like. And several times throughout Scripture, we're, throughout the New Testament especially, we're, we're told that this was done so that you may know. It's a big theme in, in John's gospel. It's how he closes out his gospel. These were written that you may know that these things are true. I've written these things to you, he writes in 1 John 5.13, that you may know that you have eternal life. The light has come. The New Testament declares that we can know him. John 8, 12, Jesus says specifically, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Aren't we in need of some light around here today? You know, I, I, I can't even begin to pretend like I, I have answers for the, the chaos that we see in our world right now. I, I can't be, begin to tell you how, how, how much that um, the, the issue of, of racism is, um, is, is we're seeing deeply ingrained in our world. As I said last week, that certainly has no place in, in the life of a believer. I can't begin to, to have the answers to fix all of these issues other than to simply say, I know the one who does. And when I don't have the answers, I know where I can turn. When I see darkness, when I see sin, when we see injustice in the world around us, we need to point people to the light of the world. Because let me, let me just be completely honest with you. I know we're in an election year. There is no political leader on the face of the planet that can fix this. This is not a political problem. This is, first and foremost, a spiritual problem. We're seeing the ugliness of the human heart exposed in a lot of different ways. And our only hope is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The only hope that we have is the hope of the gospel. So that's the first thing we see. The light has come. Second of all, we're going to see the light must be considered. Right? And, and, and that's really a, a subdued way of saying you have to do something with the light. Look at verses 23 and 24. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And more will be added to you. Now, now, now again, this is, a, this is an interesting passage. Keep in mind, 
Jesus' audience here. He's, he's speaking primarily to Jews and, and probably uh, mixed in among his followers or some of the religious leaders. Now, Jesus came preaching a gospel of hope, of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of peace. You contrast that with, with the, the teachings of the religious leaders, which was primarily do this. Keep these laws. Eat these things. Don't eat these things. Do these things on the Sabbath. Don't do these things. And if you do so, then you, you might be righteous. And Jesus comes in and, and, and really turns that upside down, which is, and, and starts messing with their religious system, and, and in a lot of ways starts messing with their idols. And all of us, when, when our idols get poked, we tend to react in some ways. So Jesus tells them, listen, the, the, he just said, the, lamp has come, the light has come into the world. It's to be put on a lampstand so that it might give light to the whole room. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. In other words, consider these things that I'm saying. Then he says, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And more will be added to you. Now, this is true in a positive sense. This is also true in a negative sense. If we treat people with love, kindness, mercy, do you know what we're likely to get back? Love, kindness, mercy. And more. If you treat people with contempt, what are we likely to get back? Contempt and more. So isn't this true in the, in the realm of the gospel as well? If, so, so think about it real quick. Jesus is speaking to religious leaders who thought they were made righteous by keeping the law. Listen, if that's, if, if that's the rule of your life is how well I keep the law, then you better keep it perfectly. Or else, what happens when you don't? Right? On the other hand, if we, if we preach a gospel of grace, we're quick to show grace and, and for the believer, we would say if we're, if we're quick to show grace because we've experienced the grace and mercy of God, then what happens when we trip and fall? And, and by the way, you will. What, what happens then? Are we not able to say, listen, I, I, yes, you're right. I'm, I'm not perfect. I am in need of the grace of God. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. So for the believer, if we walk according to grace, does that not, does that not seem to indicate that we'll, that we'll experience more grace? If we walk by the light of the world, doesn't that mean that we're given more light to walk with? You know, the, I, I'm always reminded of... Uh, of the Psalms and 
If you grew up going to a vacation Bible school when, in, in a day when we still said the pledge to the American flag, Christian flag, and the pledge to the Bible, um, said a pledge of allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, I will make it a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, and I'll hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. And I was always reminded the, the lamp to my feet, light to my path. We're not talking about a high-powered halogen like flashlight. Right, that like lights up the next hundred yards. No, we're talking about, and as David was writing that, we're talking about like a lamp. Where you might be able to see the next five feet in front of you. At least in my experience, that's, that's very applicable to what, the, the way that Jesus operates in our lives. Sometimes we have the light to take the next step. We don't know what's beyond that. Causes us to walk in faith, right? But... By the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And more will be added to you. All right, I believe Jesus is the light of the world. I believe he's going he's to light up my next step. And I don't know what's coming after that, but I'm going to take this step. And you know, you know what happens when you're, when you're holding out a lamp that, that shows five feet and you walk five feet? You see the next five feet. And then you see the next step. And as we come to trust in Jesus more and more, we see how we're to walk as followers of Christ. But as I said, there's also a warning here for us. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. You know, one of the things that, that we see pretty constantly in Scripture is that we as followers of Christ don't tend to drift toward holiness. If you're, if you're just going through the Christian life and not paying attention, um, just kind of on, on coast, you don't tend to look more like Jesus doing that. The writer, writer of Hebrews understood this as well. So in, in Hebrews 2.1, he, he writes these words. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. You, you've heard me use this illustration before, but if you've ever been playing, if you've ever been in the ocean, if you've ever been out swimming in the ocean and, you're, and you lose track of time, you don't pay attention, you're just out there playing and having a good time, now, now, when you walked into the water, you knew, okay, my stuff is right there. That's where I set up my, my, my towel, got my lunch packed. It's all right there. After about 20 minutes, you turn around and your stuff's not there. It's 100 yards that way. Now, which one of those things moved? If you're playing in the Water, you moved because of drift. It's the same way in the Christian life. We, we, we do not drift towards holiness. We drift away from it if we're not paying attention. This is why the writer of Hebrews tells us we must pay attention all the more. All the more. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. Pay attention is what Jesus is saying here. Let us pay attention to how we 
walk. Paul would say it not as unwise, but as wise. Let us walk according to the light that has come. According to the gospel of Christ Jesus. So not only has, has the light come, but then we see the light must be considered. We, we have to pay attention to that in our lives. And then finally, what we're going to see in verse 25 is this. Rejecting the light has consequences. There are consequences for rejecting the light. Verse 25 says this. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now again, we, we, looked at, uh, we looked at this, or Luke's version of this verse last week, because last week in, in Luke's gospel, it, that, that phrase comes right in the middle of the parable of the sower. Again, just to refresh your memory, Jesus talks about a, a sower who goes out and he's just, he's casting seed everywhere and some, some falls along the path and is immediately snatched away by birds and some falls on rocky soil where it grows up really fast, but it doesn't really have any root, and so it quickly withers. Some, some falls among the thorns, and it starts growing. It looks promising, but then um, the weeds choke it out. Then some fell on the good path. And, and, and in the middle of that, at the end of that parable, when the disciples come and ask Jesus, what on earth are you trying to teach us? Jesus says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables. And then in Luke's account, he says this, to whoever has, for whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, now there's twofold. Now, now we, in, the, in the point here, I really focus on the negative side of that, but let's, let's talk about the positive side for just a second. Because accepting the light has consequences as well. Now, there are positive consequences. Whoever has, more will be given to him. So for the one who's come to know Christ Jesus, who's come to know his grace and mercy, that means there's even more grace, more mercy, more forgiveness. According to what I see in the Bible, we're, we're never going to out the grace of God as followers of Christ. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now ultimately, we, we know that's eternal separation from God in a place called hell, where even as rough as this world is, and even as, as much as we talk about the, the brokenness of our world, which, which we've certainly seen on display the last three months, front and center on the newspaper every single day. Do we not still see shades of the good world that God created? We see a lot of darkness, but, but even in the middle of the darkness, there is light that shines through. Now, now imagine a place where there is no goodness whatsoever, where there is no peace. Where even as, as positive as you may be, there is no silver lining. place completely devoid of the presence of God. And that's the biblical description of hell. 
Well, does that mean literal flames and fire? Look, I, I don't know, but here, here's, here's, here's what I feel pretty confident in. That eternal separation from God, separation from the presence of God and the spiritual suffering that comes from that is far and away greater than any than whatever physical suffering is there. Complete removal of the presence of God. Whatever, whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Rejecting the light has consequences. In 1 John, John's first letter that we have towards the end of the New Testament In kind of the middle of the first chapter, John writes this. Just listen to these words. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that incredible? If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And forgiveness of sins. But... If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Do you see what's happening here, the, this, this kind of balance that, he's, that, that John's getting at? What he's saying that happens is that if we recognize this darkness that is present in us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we recognize that darkness, we get the light. But if we refuse to admit that there's darkness in us, he closes that passage by saying his word is not in us. Meaning, if we refuse to admit that there's darkness in us, there's sin in us, we're separated from the light. So my question to us today, believer, non-believer alike, whether you've come to, to place where you've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior or not, my, my question is this, what are you doing with the light of the world? How are you letting Christ Jesus shed light on the path that you're walking? How are you making that light known in a dark world around you? Are you being diligent Follow Christ Jesus? Or are you drifting? Hoping that maybe you're drifting in the right direction. So we wrap up, I want to close with a passage that uh, is familiar. You'll know it. John 3, starting in verse 16. If you want to turn there, you can. If this, uh, again, as I said, this, is, this will be familiar words to you. John 3, starting in verse 16, we're going to go down through verse 21. 
16, you probably know, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now that's probably the, the, the part that you know, that you're familiar with. Maybe that you could quote at least, at least some of that. But that's not where it stops. It keeps going. And this, this gets... I don't want to say it gets better. It doesn't get better than John 3.16, but this, this helps us understand what it means to believe in him. Verse 18, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. God sent his Son to the world. Will we believe that? And our, our answer to that question changes everything. And now, John writes, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth and comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. The light has come. God sent Jesus into the world to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin. And in so doing, he died an awful, excruciating death on a cross. But the Bible says you and I deserve. Instead, God sent him because of his great love for us, God sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that we might not perish but might have eternal life. The light has come into the world. How will you respond to that light? Maybe you're here today or, or you're watching online and you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if, if that's the case, you can... Pray this prayer, not, a, not no magic words here, no silver bullet, just some, some words to help you frame what it might look like to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sins. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. If you're here today in, in this room and you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to visit with you in just a moment and tell you what that means, what trusting in Jesus means, what following after him means. If you're watching online, there's a, there's a number right there on the screen that you can text or call, and I'd love to get back in touch with you and, and share that with you as well. Folks, let us... Follow after Jesus, the light of the world. Let us make that truth known. You might look at it and say, well, well I, I don't know. I don't know how much of the light I've got in me. I don't know how much I, I know. I don't know how much I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know if I've, I've got the right words to share. For one thing, when you're in a dark room, it doesn't take much light 
to make a big difference. And secondly, Teresa, there's a song about that, is there not? Only takes a spark. Only takes a spark. Just one little bit of light. In a dark world, you might be shocked at how much different a little bit of light, how much difference a little bit of light makes. So folks, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for sending Jesus, the light of the world, to be our Savior. I thank you for, for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. You're not hiding from us. But everything that's hidden, that, that mystery of the gospel might, might be made known. And thank you so much you've given us the privilege of proclaiming that. I thank you that the light of the world has been put on a lampstand for all the world to see. May we not be ashamed, but may we proclaim boldly our hope in Christ Jesus. Especially in days of such darkness. I pray we would not be people who drift away. But men, women, and children who, who through your power, your grace, follow Christ Jesus each and every day. Being shaped by your word, growing closer to you in prayer, and bringing others along for the ride. We stand in awe of who you are. We thank you so much for the privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. We ask all these things in his name. Amen.